Hello, everyone. Before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is for the countless number of people that have emailed me and requested that I tell more personal stories. The issue is that I'm starting to run out of personal stories that tie into movies. So I've kind of had to look at other avenues. So this is going to be the first How Was This Movie that doesn't feature any movies in it. But like I said, I've received tons and tons of requests to tell more personal stories. So with Thanksgiving holiday just a few days away, I thought I would record some of my favorite Thanksgiving memories. So not to worry, the next episode will be back to movies. But for now, enjoy a little bit more of the wackiness that is my life. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of How Is This Movie? My name is Dana Buckler and thank you for taking just a little time out of your day to listen. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Is This Movie. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash movie. You can always email me with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you choose to listen. As most of you know, I grew up in Canada. I lived there till I was 14 years old. Then my family moved to the United States. For the most part in Canada, we celebrate a lot of the same holidays and occasions as they do in the United States. Easter, Christmas, Halloween, Valentine's Day. But there are some differences. For example, Labor Day and Memorial Day are distinctively American holidays. And the one head-scratcher for me, at first, was Thanksgiving. In Canada, it's held in early October, on a Monday. Whereas in the United States, it's held on the fourth Thursday in November. Now, let me be very clear to those that don't live in America. It's a much bigger deal in America than it is in Canada. Sure, Canadians will have turkey, but things don't get crazy. Everyone has to go back to work or school the next day. In America, Thanksgiving is the first day of a four-day weekend. Hell, most people start celebrating the night before. In my town, it's the busiest night of the year for local bars and nightclubs. Another uniquely American Thanksgiving tradition is Black Friday. This is where the stores have ridiculous can't-miss sales that start as early as midnight, sometimes even earlier and millions of people descend upon Best Buys, Walmarts, and Target stores to get their hands on a 60-inch Vizio TV for $15 or something like that. These sales typically cause rioting, where people can be trampled, punched, and in some cases, extreme cases, shot. I have yet to partake in anything Black Friday related. None of that madness has ever appealed to me, but I have been affected by it. Let me explain. Four years ago on Thanksgiving, I received a call from an old friend of mine named Gil. He was in town visiting his folks, and he asked me if I'd like to join him for a few beers at one of the local pubs. We agreed to meet around 9 p.m. Now, I like to think of myself as a somewhat responsible individual, and since I knew I would be drinking, I thought the smartest thing for me to do would be to take a cab to the location. Uber still wasn't a thing yet. Well, to be honest with you, it's really not much of a thing now in my town anyway. We have one Uber driver, Bob. He only works two days a week. The cab arrived at my place around 8.45. I got into the back seat and said hello to the driver, told him my destination. The trip to the pub took about 15 minutes. Along the way, I chatted with the driver about anything and everything, including football scores, the gas mileage his Crown Victoria cab got, and he even told me about his dream of moving to Chicago so he could catch every home game for the Chicago Cubs. Now, there's something to keep in mind with this story. There are only three cab companies in my town. Most of them only have one or two cars in their fleet. Knowing this info, I began to plan my pickup strategy for later that night. I asked the driver if he would still be on duty around 2 a.m. He said he would. I said, 
what are the chances that you'd be able to pick me up here at, say, I don't know, 2 He said, pretty good. The total for my cab ride was $18. I handed him two 20s and a 5 and said, keep the change. And there'll be another really good tip for you when you pick me up at 2 He looked at the money and said, yes, sir. In fact, he wrote his cell phone number on a business card and handed it to me. He said, sir, if you need to be picked up at an earlier time, don't even call the company. Just call me directly and I'll come get you. I told him it sounds like a plan. I'll see you at 2.15. He jumped out of the cab, ran around the back of the car, and opened the door for me. Uh, uh, thank you, I said, which he replied, Yes, sir. Have a good evening, sir. I smiled and walked into the pub. Gil was already there. I pulled up a seat next to him, ordered a beer, gave Gil a cheers, and then the evening began. Over the course of the next few hours, Gil and I had a great time laughing and carrying on, running into other people we knew that were in town visiting. We played pool, darts, even around round of air hockey. There was a DJ playing a combination of top 40 and older pop music. He had a sustained dance floor going from 11 p.m. on. I found myself dancing a few times with a few girls that I knew. Remember, I knew I wasn't driving, so I was drinking like a college student, complete with a few rounds of shots. At 1.45, the bartender made last call. Gil and I ordered one more round. By 2 a.m., we finished our drinks. Now, Gil had spent a good portion of the night talking to a girl he knew. And those two decided they were going to go to a local restaurant. They asked me if I wanted to join them. I declined, citing that I did need to work the next day and that I had a cab coming to pick me up in 15 minutes. Gil said goodbye. I gave him a hug, told him it was great to see him and we'll do this again sometime in the future. And he and the young lady were off. The bartender gave the usual everyone get out speech and I walked out of the bar into an unusually cold night. In fact, I think it was hovering around freezing. When 2.15 arrived, the cab driver hadn't. By 2.20, I made the decision to call him. As I started to punch the number in my phone, I noticed that the battery was almost dead. I called the phone, it rang twice, and he answered. Hello, he said. I said, uh, uh, hi, yeah. This is the guy you dropped off earlier in the night that you were going to come pick up at 2.15? Oh, yeah, he said. Listen, I'm sorry. I can't come get you. I have a car full of women that have hired me to take them to all the Black Friday stores. Uh, 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 wait, wait a second. Uh, You said you were going to come get me. Yeah, sorry, man. Well, is there another cab that can come pick me up? No dice, he replied. It's Black Friday. We're all booked till morning. Come on, man. Sorry, he said, and hung up. The reality of the situation was really starting to hit me. It was 2.25. I turned around to see that the lights were off in the bar behind me. The employees must have gone out the back door. I turned back around and realized that I was alone. No one was here. I was all alone. I used Google on my phone to find the number of the other cab companies. The first number I called was disconnected. The second number I called, a lady answered. Yellow cab? Hi, uh, yeah, can I get a cab? (laughs) She just laughed out loud and hung up on me. I attempted to redial and my phone shut off. So now I'm half in the bag, stranded downtown with no phone. I was coming to the conclusion that I was going to have to walk home. As I began my journey, I started walking in the direction of my house. I came to the first of many four-way major intersections. It was at this stop that a car pulled up next to me. It was a police officer. I looked into his window and saw the officer was maybe in his 40s talking on a cell phone. I motioned for him to roll down his window. He asked, what's up? I looked at him with a smile and said, uh, excuse me, officer. Is there any way I could get a lift home? The officer just shook his head. Nope. Can't do that. Really, I said, it's freezing out. It won't take long. Sorry, sir. It's against the rules. I looked at him one last time and said, so there's no way I can get a ride? Remember, I had more than a few drinks in my system and my negotiating skills were not up to par. 
Clearly annoyed, the officer told the person that he was talking to on the phone to hold on. He put the phone to his lap and he said, look, I'll tell you what. You throw a rock through one of those store windows and you'll get a ride in this car. Trust me, but it won't be home. Okay, I gotcha. And he drove away. Again, I began to walk home. An hour into the eight-mile journey, I came to another major intersection. Now, as I was waiting for the light to turn green so I could cross, another car pulled up. And wouldn't you know it, it was my cab driver. The cab had three passengers in it. The driver turned to see me. We locked eyes. It was an epic stare-down. I was standing there with my arms crossed, shivering in the cold. He just kept staring at me. As the light turned green, he hit the gas as hard as he could and he sped off. I yelled at the top of my lungs, I want my money back! As I watched the taillights disappear into the darkness. Around 5 a.m., I made it home. It took me about an hour to get to sleep. Now, of course, I woke up late for work. And the restaurant that I was working at during that lunch shift, well, it was filled with Black Friday shoppers telling gleeful tales of the wonderful deals they had found, while I looked upon them with a scowl and rage in my heart. So I'm not a fan of Black Friday, but listen, Thanksgivings in America have, for the most part, been pretty good to me as a whole. My first real American Thanksgiving was in 1993. You see, my folks, you know, being Canadian, they didn't really get into the festive spirit of Thanksgiving like they do in the U.S., so I would often take up the invitation to go to other people's homes. So in November of 93, I went to my good friend Travis's home. It was a real old-fashioned Tennessee Thanksgiving. They had a spread of food that would have been top-notch at some of the finest restaurants in the U.S. There was easily enough food for 20 people, yet there was only five of us. After dinner, Travis, his father, and myself went into the backyard to do some target shooting with an array of different rifles. Only in America. This became my Thanksgiving tradition for the next three years and quickly became my favorite day of the year. Now, after high school, I moved to Florida and would continue the tradition of going to someone else's home for Thanksgiving. From 2002 through 2005, I would go to my friend Chris's grandparents' home for Thanksgiving dinner and a friendly game of poker. I say friendly because we would play with quarters, nickels, and dimes, no serious money. During the 2005 poker game, things got a little testy. At the table were myself, Chris, his grandmother, and Chris's cousin Bobby. Now, I say testy because Chris's grandmother kept winning all the hands. And every time she won, she would say things like, You boys ought to just give up, and you don't stand a chance. Two hours into the game, I was down $20, and I found myself sitting finally with a good hand. Now, I played smart precision poker at this point, quietly raising the bets, calling when I needed to. Before I knew it, Chris had folded, Bobby had folded, and the hand was down to just myself and Chris's grandmother, who went all in. I called. I turned my cards over to reveal the winning hand. I stood up from my chair and I yelled out, Yes! Yes! Keep talking shit, Grandma! Oh, and the room went silent. All eyes were on me. Grandma was just aghast at what I had just said. It was clear the game was over. I uh, kind of smiled and started to rake my coins over to me. I saw Chris shaking his head. Grandma got up from the poker table and left the room. Bobby looked at me and said, What the fuck, man? Why did you say that? I stuttered when I answered. I, 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 I don't know. Bobby shook his head and said, Man, you better go. I know. I quietly snuck out the back door. The following Thanksgiving, Chris told me that there wasn't enough room for me to attend this year's Thanksgiving at Grandma's house. And I kind of saw that one coming. But I would say my most memorable or perhaps most infamous Thanksgiving dinner was in 2007. Let me set the stage for you. First, I'm going to change the names of all involved. 
Yes, it's going to be one of those stories. I had been dating a girl named Jennifer for about a month. Jennifer had invited me to Thanksgiving dinner at her mom and stepdad's house, and I was very reluctant to say yes to this invitation. The main reason was because I hadn't met anyone in her family, and Thanksgiving for me was always spent with people that I knew. It was a comfortable situation. Jennifer pleaded with me to say yes. You'll have a great time. My stepbrother will be there, and he likes football almost as much as you. I begrudgingly said yes. Jennifer's parents' house was on a horse farm. Now, there are tons of these properties all over the area I live in. Ocala is the thoroughbred capital of the world. And last year's Triple Crown winner, American Pharaoh, has ties to this community. Jennifer's stepdad was a former jockey and now helped to manage one of these farms. I rode in Jennifer's car to the house, which turned out to be a single wide trailer in the middle of a horse pasture with a barn about 100 yards away. We pulled up to the trailer and got out of the car. I began collecting some grocery bags from the back seat. With both my hands full, I used my foot to close the car door. As we began walking to the door, Jennifer said, When you get inside, don't make any sudden moves towards my stepdad. Uh, 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 What? She smiled and said, Well, my stepdad's dog, Samson, is really protective of him. Samson? What kind of dog is Samson? Oh, you'll meet him in a few moments. Jennifer opened the screen door and then proceeded to open the actual door. We walked in together, and as soon as Jennifer spoke the words, Mom, we're here, I met Samson for the first time. Standing two feet from me was the biggest German shepherd I'd ever seen. Samson's eyes were locked on me. He began to give a threatening growl. Jennifer whispered at me, Don't show any fear. (laughs) I was smiling. I'm trying not to. Jennifer motioned me forward. Slowly, she added. Samson just stood there growling, showing his teeth. As I took my first step, the dog lunged at me. His jaws locked onto the right leg of my jeans. He began to shake his head ferociously. I screamed, Oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, get him off me! I swung the grocery bag in my right hand, hitting Samson on the side of its head. It had no effect. Samson pulled back, taking me to the ground. It was at that very moment that a man, who couldn't have been more than five foot one, 100 pounds, came running into the room. He yelled at Samson, No, bad dog! And then he proceeded to tackle the dog, who was still refusing to let go. I took another swing with the grocery bag, accidentally hitting the man in the head. Finally, Samson let go, and the man grabbed the dog by the collar and began leading him out of the room. The dog was so big that I literally thought this man was going to mount him like a horse and ride off into the next room. Jennifer's mom came running in, and both her and Jennifer helped me to my feet. Jennifer's mom asked me if I was okay. I was still stunned. I looked at my jeans. The dog had ripped a six-inch hole in the right leg. I looked at the hole, then at the mom, then back at the hole. I've been better, I said. Jennifer's mother ushered me into the living room area. Have a seat, she said. Relax, she told me. Jennifer went to the fridge and grabbed a soda for me. After a few minutes, the man came out of the room. He was Jennifer's stepdad. I stood up from the couch, extended my hand out for a handshake. Hi, I'm Dana. Boy, that was something. The man reluctantly shook my hand and promptly sat down in a chair, pulled out a pack of cigarettes and lit one, having not said one word to me. He began to feel the side of his face where I had hit him with the grocery bag. Apparently, that was the bag that had a can of cranberry sauce because his left cheek was a little red and swollen. Listen, uh, I'm really sorry about that. I just got a little panicked. I wasn't sure what to do. He looked at me, took a drag from his cigarette, and didn't say a word. Yes, it really was that awkward. Jennifer came into the room and said, Dad, this is Dana. Dana, this is Gus. Dad, why don't you turn on the TV? There's a football game on. Gus got up from his chair, walked over to the TV that looked like it had to have been at least 20 years old. He turned a knob, a knob, 
and then the old machine powered up. It was clear that there was no cable hooked up to this TV, just a set of rabbit ears hidden behind it. Gus began to adjust the rabbit ears with his hands. The picture on the screen was fuzzy and barely visible. I could kind of make out what was happening on screen. It was a football game. I think the Green Bay Packers were playing. Gus continued to fiddle with the rabbit ears for a few more seconds until he was satisfied with what he saw on the screen. He sat back down, lit another cigarette, and frankly pretended I wasn't even in the room. For my part, I tried to just watch the football game. Fifteen minutes later, I heard the door open from the outside. It was Jennifer's stepbrother, Ryan. Now, Ryan couldn't have been more than 22 or 23 years old. He was a farmhand by trade, and it was clear from his appearance that he had been working that afternoon. His jeans were muddy, and his face had a little dirt on it. I saw Jennifer rush over to him and begin whispering, obviously going over what had happened. I heard Ryan yell out, He did what? Ryan rushed to the area where I was sitting. Pop, are you okay? Is Samson okay? Gus turned towards Ryan Yeah, I'm okay. Samson's going to be okay. No thanks to this guy. I sank further into my seat. Ryan went into the room to get himself cleaned up. I continued to sit on the couch. Jennifer was still in the kitchen with her mom. Gus got up from his chair, walked into the kitchen. I could hear a bit of commotion and yelling going on. I heard Jennifer scream, Daddy, Dana loves animals. He has two cats. To which I heard Gus reply, Yeah, well, he's a real fancy boy, isn't he? I just tried to ignore the conversation. Two minutes later, Jennifer walked up to me and said, I'm going to Walgreens and you're coming with me. I said, absolutely, let's go. When we got to the car, Jennifer tossed me the keys and said, you drive. We got into the car and I began to drive away. Jennifer broke into tears. What's wrong? I said, we're not going to Walgreens, Dana. I'm supposed to take you home. My stepdad said that you're not welcome at this house. He said he couldn't be in the same room with someone who hates dogs. I don't hate dogs. I love animals. Jennifer sobbingly said, Dad said you shouldn't have swung the bag at Samson. He said Samson's feelings are hurt. What the fuck are you talking about? The fucking dog attacked me. Jennifer said, I know, I know. But he said you provoked Samson. Jesus Christ. Okay, for the rest of the ride home, we didn't say a word to each other. I got to my house got out of the car, said goodbye to Jennifer, told her I'd call her later that day, and walked into my house and changed clothes, tossing the jeans out. I flopped on the couch and spent the rest of the day questioning whether or not did did I really provoke the damn dog? As you can imagine, things didn't work out between Jennifer and I. We slowly faded away from each other. Now that incident happened 10 years ago, and thankfully nothing on Thanksgiving that crazy has happened since. I will say though that three years after that, I was walking through a public park with my then-girlfriend, There was an adjacent dog park. In the distance, I saw a little man walking a big, giant German shepherd in our direction. I grabbed my girlfriend's hand and said, let's go back to the car. I'll explain later. To this day, I'm not sure if Gus realized it was me, but I had a feeling that if he did, he would have let Samson off the leash to have his way with me. And it would have been my fault. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening.